This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momenta Partners and Momenta Ventures. Welcome to our Digital Leadership Podcast. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 110 of our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. Today, I'm pleased to feature someone who has literally been at the edge for a decade. Jason Shepard, VP of Ecosystem at Edge Orchestration Company, Zedetta. Prior to joining Zedetta, Jason was CTO for the Dell Technologies Edge and IoT Solutions Division. His proven track record as a thought leader in the market is evidenced through his leadership building up the award-winning Dell IoT Solutions Partner Program and establishing the vendor-neutral open-source EdgeX Foundry project to facilitate greater interoperability at the IoT Edge. Jason is a board member for LF Edge and was recognized as one of the top 100 industrial IoT influencers in both 2018 and 2019. He holds, and I'm not kidding, 14 granted and 25 pending US patents. So Jason, welcome to our Digital Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Hey, thanks again. Thanks for having me. Hey, look, anybody who's got 14 granted <laughs> pending U.S. patents uh, is, is uh, you know, I always joke that some people might have seen you in the past as more of a marketing guy because you were always present there at Dell. But, man, you've got some really strong under, uh, let's say, technical foundations to you. And I hope to uh, review those in the call today. So let's start with your professional journey. Tell us a bit about your background and how it has informed your views of digital yeah, so you know, I've I've always been very curious about technology. You know, naturally inquisitive. You know, I always say that I I uh, you know probably annoyed my parents trying to press every button I could find. One one day actually I op- managed to open up the car door and fell out in an intersection <laughs> as a kid. Um, did only that once, but uh, just always playing with different things. I just like to build stuff. So I play music for fun. We built our house. Um, you know, I just have some sort of project going. And, uh, you know, that that's kind of led me from where I started as a mechanical engineer. And by just being inquisitive, surrounding yourself with good people, I've been able to kind of morph over the years into uh, more of a solution role. Uh, of course, you know, getting into IoT and then Edge. And so I, I, I'm just really into th- the blend of form and function. Uh, I'm fascinated by the people part of technology, so that um, in many ways the psychology behind you know how people interface with technology. Uh, good technology disappears into the background, and you just go live your life and make things better and whatnot. So, just the the that blend of people and technology is just very interesting to me. So everything that I've kind of tried to focus on over the years has been um, you know, furthering uh, you know, my understanding of that that element. Mm. I love the fact you started as a mechanical engineer. I'll, I'll call it truly down to the metal. <laughs> uh, your your move to embedded, while not unprecedented, is probably unique for mechanical engineers. I must say, uh, typically, I would see electrical engineering background in that. What was you know your particular inspiration to move? I'll, I'll say up the stack into embedded. Yeah, uh, well, it's funny. First off, up the stack into embedded is 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 uh, a bit ironic, but yes, um, uh, you know, up the stack. So so about ten years ago, you know, I enjoyed doing what I was doing. I was actually doing mechanical engineering at Dell. 
um, leading a team, uh, the Precision Workstation team. Um, but kind of in, in our free time, I started leading uh, the team in various different concept development efforts. And, you know, was just for all the reasons I just mentioned, just like really interested in a variety of different solution aspects. And so we started kind of going down that path. Um, I always say the best way to get a job is to already be doing it. Uh, that's what led me into uh, leading a solution development team, like a concept uh, development team, doing R&D across a variety of things there at Dell. And, and so, I mean, the inspiration was just, you know, that that interest in broader solutions, how do you drive outcomes for, for end uh, users, for customers, uh, new experiences. And as I got more and more into solutions, um, you know, it became more and more clear, and this is what, 2010 to 12 timeframe, um, that the whole mobile trend that has evolved is going to turn into even more of an embedded trend. Uh, I started saying, you know, fixed is the new mobile um, you know, somewhere around that time. And you're just going to see more compute everywhere. And of course, that led into the, the IoT rage that started about 2014. But, um, you know, the inspiration really was just how do I take more of a outcome oriented approach with the, the folks that I work with versus, you know, a bunch of widgets. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of solutions looking for problems out there. So, you know, I think it's important to, to start with the what are what are you doing and why and then back into that the technology so um mm. you, you were at dell at a pretty eventful time as i remember going from you know uh, number 51 on the fortune 500 up until michael dell's leverage buyback of the company in 2013. Uh, dell of course a world leader in personal computers would soon emerge as a key enterprise computing and edge player and i'm sure uh, partially due to your work I noted several of your roles in concept and strategy um, in the office of the CTO around the same time. You know, tell us a bit about your efforts and, as you said earlier, some of the outcomes of those efforts. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, there was that, that little EMC acquisition along the way. Um, you know, it's, it, it was a great time to be there. I mean, it's uh, obviously a great uh, organization. And, you know, I, I guess it was back in yeah, around 2010 where I started um, running this concept development team. Um, you know, it, it just started more hardware centric, as you could expect from given the fact, and I was in the client computing group. Uh, so we were exploring different form factors, you know, kind of getting into the, the, the whole tablet space and, and different um, ways to engage with, with compute back then. But then I, I started to hire various different software developers so we could get more into, you know, software and solutions. And that led uh, around that time frame to a bunch of work around um, like session continuity. So how do you, you know, this was sort of early, early in its time back then, but how do you pick up from one spot to the next when you're working on, say, you know, a PC and then a tablet, and then you, you know, you go into your house and, and you look at your TV, and so that's kind of turned into things like handoff. You see it uh, fairly widely from a variety of players now. Uh, then we got into um, collaboration for a while, which is certainly very uh, relevant these days uh, with COVID, but um, lots of, a number of the patents th that I got with the teams there at Dell are around how do you make remote collaboration more effective? Uh, we did things around, like one of the, the biggest challenges for remote workers still is being left out of the whiteboarding. And so there was a number of things that, that we did, um, you know, for whiteboarding stuff like, uh, you know, if, if someone is drawing on a, a whiteboard digitally, remotely, 
block out that space where they're drawing, just like you would be blocking out the whiteboard when you're physically in the space in a room. Because uh, you know, a lot of times whiteboarding you know, remotely degenerates into a bunch of people drawing over people's stuff, you know, writing smiley faces, whatever. And, and, but when you're in a room, you've got kind of like that physical, you know, those physical boundaries. Uh, we did things around like uh, when you get a whiteboard picture, if you weren't there in the room and you see a bunch of scribbles, you have no clue <clears throat> what one of those scribbles, what, what was being talked about when that scribble was made. You know, that that random drawing and then people will draw over it and it's just it's just a mess at the end of that collaboration session so if you clicked on that scribble digitally it would play the audio uh and video if you have it uh, that was done right around that that time that that was created so we did that stuff we did stuff around like um when you're re working remote and you could have like a whole list of contacts in your um your instant messaging system or collaboration tool of choice but you never actually ping somebody. But then the moment you see someone physically, you're walking through the hallway, you're like, oh, hey, I've been meaning to you know, ask you something for like three weeks. So do you have like, you know, this concept of like walk-bys across your screen of people that sort of, again, it's that physical digital thing um, that, that will trigger you to, to ask questions. So we did all kinds of stuff like that. Now, granted, a lot of that stuff still is a challenge. Um, you know, we, we've done that. There's, there's certain players that are building the remote collaboration tools and, and just the basics still is a challenge. So, uh, but it's it was it was fun to kind of work on all these different concepts. But um, anyway, so we did all kinds of different things around that, and, and you know, built up a patent portfolio and and work with a bunch of different folks. But uh, you know, then in 2014, it was like, hey, what do we want to do with this this you know the buzz term IoT? And then you know, it just kind of turned into a whole progression. You know, from there that uh, you know we'll get into more detail, but um, yeah, it was a fun time. That, that was kind of like my, my initial days of the decade at the edge was uh, around how do we uh, drive new experiences in client. And uh, you know, I uh, we were both joking right before this because we're using Microsoft Teams for the recording of this, and I couldn't find the the uh, record button. So I still think we have a lot of ways to go in yeah. terms of collaboration, and and certainly the idea of a uh, segmented uh, whiteboard and using that still seems pretty far fetched at this point. So I know, well, yeah. uh, well, well ahead of your time, my friend. <laughs> turns out your expectations are too high. You like to find it. Yeah, come on. Exactly. So you know, I believe we first met in twenty. 15, as I remember, um, as we were pitching Plat1 at the time, one of our portfolio companies, which subsequently became part of SAP. It's uh, Leonardo now. I think you had just been promoted to director of IT, IoT strategy and partnerships at Dell. What was your key focus here and subsequently as CTO of uh, IoT and edge computing for Dell? Yeah, so the focus um, in that role was was really building up our, our ecosystem. So, uh, you know, we when we started with the concept early on, we're like, hey, this guys, this is ultimately about software and and services. You know, the the uh, the whole IoT game, really. You know, I think digital in general. I mean, infrastructure is super important, but it really is about all of the value add around the chain. So, uh, and that's actually part of the way we got that initial stuff funded at Dell for the for the hardware infrastructure for for IoT and Edge was, you know, starting to build up that initial partner ecosystem. And so I would do what I was, uh, you know, um, with my team. You would do like the magical mystery tour, as I would call it. You know, running around looking for, you know, the right uh, partners to work with. You know, again, this is back in 2015. Um, what we saw back then was that the the incumbents were going to spin for a while, uh, try to own everything, 
um, you know, just trying to figure out what they do. All major tech transitions it happens this way, where like everyone comes out swinging. This is gonna be great. We're gonna own everything, and then and then after a while, they're like, man, this is really hard, and they kind of settle back into uh, swim lanes. And so in 2015, it was it was the 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 let's own everything. You know, way too many platforms being developed. Um, but my my role with the team was to go figure out how does this scale. So we were, uh, and I don't, I don't know. Maybe when we met, when we met, I was actually probably out there, and that's when Edgex got started. I was driving between, um, but like Bay Area up to to San Leandro, and um, you know had this epiphany. It's like, man, no one's really architecting for you know IoT. I mean, Edge wasn't even really a big uh, you know the big conversation then uh, properly. And so I called my team back at uh, uh, you know our health headquarters and said, "Hey, if I can get some funding, what if we tried this?" And that's that's how Edgex uh, got started. Um, but in general, it was really just how do we uh, how do we grow, how do we scale things, um, build that ecosystem. So that was that was the initial effort from the client side. So when we met, I was still part of the client team that had kind of gotten IoT started. And then around 2017, um, late 2017, we, you know, this was after the, the EMC acquisition, um, we decided that we needed to create a business unit that's more Dell Technologies focused versus you know, one of the BUs. And so I helped uh, build up the team there, uh, working with a bunch of folks. Um, and that was a virtual business unit, the first of its kind that spanned, uh, you know, the portfolio. Um, actually, was led out of VMware. So I, I, when I was CTO, I worked for um, uh, VMware leadership, and um, you know, it was kind of a mix of VMware and Dell uh, resources and worked across the various teams. Um, so as the CTO for that org, uh, represented Dell Technologies as a portfolio. Uh, doing thought leadership, um, hired a team of domain experts and product managers. So it's kind of not only uh, doing the CTO role, working with a bunch of other technology leaders across the company, but also helping to define our solution roadmap. And it's kind of that intersection between you know outbound marketing. How do you how do you uh, build an ecosystem and partnerships going out into the field? But then also how do you take that and tie it back into how you're building solutions? And so it was a you know kind of a, a, a core um, uh, function within that that broader uh, virtual business unit. So yeah, it was a lot of fun you know, working with the teams. And so um, continued to build up the the ecosystem, continued to build up uh, EdgeX out in the market. But then also um, the last project that I worked on, actually for a few years, um, you know, leading within Dell Technologies, was this uh, effort uh, around data trust. Um, data confidence that turned into a project that's uh, emerging in Linux Foundation called Alvarium. Um, and because I think the next big wave of, of uh, uh, in terms of a tech trend is going to be around data trust. So just sounds, just sounds like a great topic for another yes, podcast, actually. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that one, <laughs> I that didn't one, have that among my, my topics, but that one, and I fully agree with you coming from uh, the uh, ag tech space, working at Syngenta at the time, uh, the idea of 
trusted exchanges when you deal with uh, futures, crop futures in some sense, uh, created a whole conundrum of who do you trust and how will people put their information together, you know, so it can be aggregated all, all the way down, of course, to the, uh, uh, you know, down to the uh, the individual sub- subscriber level. So uh, I think I think we should do another one on that. I, you know, kudos on the program at the time, the partnership. I, as I remember, um, we one of our other portfolio companies, Eigen Innovation, participated because oh, yeah. you guys took originally what I'll call an industrial PC, put it down in, in a small gateway form factor, and we're looking for companies to really exercise that. And of course, they had a very strong edge uh, vision. Uh, pattern matching, if you will, uh, machine learning at the edge application using infrared for manufacturing applications, and uh, and they they loved the program. They remember they told me about you know going to your your big event and um, you know the, all the support they got and everything else. So they uh, clearly benefited, and I know a lot of other companies did as well. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of hype in terms of describing edge computing as as any good marketing term. You know, everybody kind of lops on. What is it? How would you define edge computing and, and what do you see as the key benefits versus, you know, as many of us know, just cloud computing per se? Um, first off, you you you, you mentioned the, the everyone, you're kind of globbing on to the various terms. I, I often joke about, uh, uh, have you seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding? I have, as a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> I think two so, versions of it, if I remember right. <laughs> yeah, that, that movie that dad sprays Windex on everything. Um, he's like, well, you've got to cut, you know, here's some Windex, you know, whatever. And, and so I joke that these are all Windexes of technology, you know, Edge, AI, 5G, uh, you know, digital twin, you name it. I mean, all super important, you know, trends and whatnot, but uh, also people uh, overuse the words and, and you know, do do washing of the terms and it gets confusing. And, and Edge is, is definitely, hey, we just figured out what the cloud is and now we're you're trying to figure out what the edge is so um you know the in simple terms so, so first off you've got to look at it holistically uh, in simple terms the way i've defined edge for a while is it's edge computing it's moving compute as close as both necessary and feasible to the subscribers that need it so you know the necessary and feasible is i mean you can't move like massive amounts of compute feasibly you know cl- very close t- to users like you know right on top of that device in the physical world uh, necessary could include you know reasons like latency and bandwidth security you know privacy autonomy all the very commonly uh, common commonly cited reasons of why you would do edge computing um, you know so it's it's really about a continuum and instead of thinking of edge as you know there's thin and thick and near and far and all these different ambiguous loaded terms it's what are the inherent technical trade-offs that will make you need to run workloads you know, closer to the source of data so number one would be is 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 that use case latency critical or is it latency sensitive if it's latency critical, like your airbag, you will never run it over a wide area network. So that, that's why you're seeing processing happening right inside of you know, vehicles as they, they do assisted or autonomous driving, um, you know, factory floors and whatnot. All the process stuff is, is there. Uh, 5G you will augment that, but it's not, necessar- not going to replace the need for doing local compute for latency critical or safety critical. Um, you know, another key delineator in edge is is it in a physically secure data center or is it not in a physically secure data center? Uh, is it Does it not have a network perimeter? So anything above like a traditional on-prem data center up into the, the regional and access edges in kind of in the telco or service provider sense, those are all physically secure data centers. Um, 
outside of the data center, you've got stuff out in the wild. Of course, there's mobile devices and client. That's Those are solved problems. But then in the IoT sense, it's the Wild West. So you've got to approach security in a different way when you're outside of a physically secured space. You don't have a firewall that you necessarily can rely on. And then an edge, the last one is, and a lot of people forget about this, is are the devices capable of running applications or are they not uh, in, the, in the sense of being abstracted? So virtual machines, containers, you name it. And of course, you've got iOS and Android in the mobile sense, but, it, but again, IoT, Wild West. And that's, that's a big one because when, when you look at edge computing, a lot of edge talk it comes from you know, telcos, you know, IT-centric companies, this, this myopic view that all compute is going to be happening in data centers. It's, it's, it's just the, the old hammer and nail syndrome. You know, I'm gonna, everything's going to come to me and I'm going to process it. But the reality is, is more processing is happening everywhere, including in constrained devices themselves. So one of the big trends that, that I've been tracking is, is tiny ML. Um, so this notion of, and now granted it's going to be fixed function, function AI and, and machine learning and stuff like that, it's, but it's, it's, again, it's part of the continuum. You've got to look at edge as a holistic point of view, not from one perspective. And ideally, in the end, we have abstracted workloads or you know, infrastructure that's consistent, you know, different paradigms, but similar principles across the continuum. Um, you abstract software and in the sense that you can kind of transport workloads anywhere along that continuum to, to uh, based on trade-offs of economics and and you know uh, performance and things like that and then you the last thing you want to virtualize is is the data itself the data needs to be transportable and then of course we talked about trust briefly just a minute ago and so you know, focus on trusted data and you win uh and then the infrastructure is just that that conduit and then it's on top of that, it's really about domain knowledge. You know, uh, so all of this stuff, edge computing, cloud computing, AI, 5G, all very, very important trends. But really, I think it's it's equally important, actually most important, well, first to start with outcomes, but also to architect properly because you don't know all the answers today. So you need to architect now for flexibility, which is why I've been so big into open all these years and this, this notion of interoperability. Hmm. We couldn't agree more on TinyML, and thus the reason yeah. for uh, investing in uh, Edge Impulse, Zach Shelby's new company, who I, I know you've talked with not too long ago. Yeah. Um, speaking of open, I know you were instrumental in EdgeX. You know, can you tell us a bit about the initiative and, and really the role you see it playing in IoT and the edge computing uh, ecosystem? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, you know, I, I had the there was this epiphany to start EdgeX. You know, I was driving in, in the, on the Magical Mystery Tour back in 2015, uh, you, know, you know, scouting for different technologies. And, and uh, honestly, actually, EdgeX um, was initially about uh, internal to Dell. What's the right architecture for um, you know IoT and, and you know, edge computing? Um, and this was also back in the time when fog was was you know a, a term being promoted and. Uh, I actually had a number of people trying to convince me that we should call it FogX, and I'm glad that I I stuck to my guns on edge because <laughs> <laughs> right above them would be a, probably a Flavio Bonami, who I think is yeah. uh, attributed with uh, being the inventor of the term fog yeah. computing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and yeah, so so and then X, of course, is so that it can be trademarked. Um, but anyway, so. It initially started as okay. What's the right architecture? And we quickly arrived. Uh, had a good you know, team in Dell CTO uh, architecting and guy uh, Jim White. You know, led that team, um, and 
very quickly arrived at, hey, we need to extend cloud native principles, this, you know, the, the, the um, principles within Cloud Foundry, you know, the, driving that, that whole effort at the time, um, you know, it, we need to drive that closer and closer to uh, the physical world, you know, anywhere that you can, because you need that flexibility in how you architect, you know, scale out, uh, bring together different components around a common API. So all those principles. So we started then, and initially it was kind of like, oh, hey, well, is this a Dell platform? Um, you know, do we create our own platform? And then we're like, no, 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 we don't want to be the 401st IoT platform. So we decided open source. And so um, we we built it up for a few years. We leveraged the partner program within Dell to uh, that we were growing to build visibility for it. We launched it into Linux Foundation in 2017. And the whole the whole point of of EdgeX is to uh, drive interoperability, you know, in IoT and edge computing. Um, the the you know, open source is the modern way to drive standards. You know, gone are the days. I mean, of course, standards are important, SDOs and stuff like that. But you know, code code uh, brings together people uh, very quickly, and you can run code. You can't run a document. And so, um, leveraging open source as a way to drive standards. Um, we recognize back then, of course, there's some good standards efforts around different protocols, but there's never going to be one protocol. There will never be one OS choice. The hardware is inherently fragmented. You know, out uh, the closer you get to the uh, you know the devices out there, and <clears throat> so Edgex is is you know, basically set up to be an interoperability framework. And um, <clears throat> the uh, use the old, otherwise the old standards joke is we're going to create uh, we're going to fix the standards problem with one new standard. And so the way you fix it is you you bring together standards. So that was that was the the, the goal, and and it, you know we started in 2017, and it just hit, I think about six million downloads, um, you know uh, earlier this year, and so it's definitely we've seen a hockey stick grow. I've actually been focused a lot more in different projects lately because it's it's often living a life of its own, um, but in terms of the role within IoT and edge computing. You know, it's just I think foundationally important to have an open uh, approach to mm -hmm. to get to the real potential. I mean, the real potential of IoT. I mean, it starts with you know, intranets. It starts with small solutions. Of course, you know, let's not get crazy. You got to just solve some basic business challenges up front. But the real potential is all of these different um, use cases and markets starting to um, uh, align and drive new outcomes, new experiences. You know, think of retail crossover into the home. How do you solve problems in the power grid by starting to kind of sync different things together? And, and you won't get there, one, without some level of open interoperability, and two, without trust. You know, hence the, the, the discussion on you know, that being kind of the next big effort to focus on. Um, so, so we think you know it's not all about edgex, of course. There's a lot of great efforts out there, but the net is pick something, you know, whether it's edgex or otherwise, and and focus on how can you build a strategy around some sort of snowball effect, leveraging uh, a, an open source component that drives uh, a network effect. Um, you know, trying to go build everything on your own, uh, you know, this uh, these days is just not a really good idea. Um, and you know, just really think about the importance of an open approach to get to the real potential. So you've got a phenomenal background and certainly working from the bare metal all the way up. All of that has converged as of late last year on this uh, great little company called Zedetta. Uh, as you said, an edge orchestration company. What uh, was your inspiration for joining them and, and really what problems are they trying to solve? 
Yeah, so <laughs> well, I, I literally, so I've, I'd known, <clears throat> excuse me, I'd known uh, Saeed and, and Roman and, and a handful of folks on the, uh, it's, it's actually, well, some people say Zededa, some people say Zedida. I think it's actually Zedida. Um, the way I remember is if you think of a Run DMC song, uh, My Zedida, it'll stick in your head. <laughs> <laughs> I should have practiced that before the podcast. <laughs> oh, uh, but even even within our own company, we we say it different ways. But um, anyway, I just uh, thought of that random thing. That's how I remember it. My Zadita. Um, anyway, so uh, when it got to the point, you know, Dell Technologies, you know, love what I was doing there. And you have a really great team. But I I was just like every single one of my blogs that I would write, I could replace Dell with Zadita. And I'm like, hmm. So I called up Saeed, our CEO, and I said, maybe I should just come work for you. And the reason why I, I was interested is number one, you know, Zadita as a, a IoT Edge orchestration company, our foundation is is within LFE. So it's actually a sister uh, Eve Project Eve, which we use as as the open foundation, is a sister project to EdgeX. Um, you know, I've been very involved in, in LFEDGE, helped to get that bootstrapped with Linux Foundation. We moved EdgeX under that umbrella. There's other projects uh, within there. Um, so part of the reason was I could keep working in that community. Um, part of the reason was, you know, that, of course, that open philosophy uh, in general. Um, I think what we're doing at Zadita, you know, is foundationally important also getting into that trust conversation because the last project that I that I did at Dell and, and we let you know led the launch uh, you know into the um, Linux Foundation is this emerging project Delvarium is around this notion of data confidence fabrics and I think that that as a general trend is important so for all these reasons you know I, I felt like um, it made a lot of sense to when I was looking for a change to, to come over um, you know joined back in November of last year so coming up on a year uh, Zadita's focus is in a very open way, how do I orchestrate compute distributed outside of a physically secure data center? So lots of great solutions, um, you know, spinning up, uh, you know, existing and also spinning up, uh, you know, at the service provider or telco edges. Um, of course, there's a lot of stuff, you know, happening in the cloud. Um, but once you get past the point of a, a being inside of a physically secure data center, it gets very complex quick. Um, but there's a range of devices that are between about 256 megs of memory at the lowest end. So a single node with 256 megs of memory, uh, which is the bare minimum these days of being able to abstract workloads with virtual machines and containers. And that greatly simplifies the, the fragmentation around hardware. So our focus is from that limit up to you know, maybe a small server cluster deployed outside of a data center. It could be on a factory floor, it could be in a retail store, et cetera. Uh, not only are they they're similar principles to what you would see you know in in data centers but you need unique uh, uh you need a unique focus on how you secure them because they're not you know physically secured uh you don't necessarily have that network perimeter um the the fragmentation is an issue um the other big thing that's a challenge you know scale factor whatnot but the other big thing that's a challenge it's not just about the technologies even though they're similar you need necessarily different tools to address the unique nature of these devices but also the pricing schemes are different um the the data center companies that have tried to do this iot compute edge um number one they're trying to adapt data center technologies that doesn't work uh, too heavy, resource intensive. Number two, the pricing models are so different that it breaks down uh, 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 in terms of competing with their own business. 
And so that it's just a different paradigm. So we see data center paradigm, you see this kind of distributed you know, IoT edge compute paradigm. And then of course you see very, very constrained device paradigm. There, when you look at orchestration on constrained devices, you're lucky to get you know, one to max 10 bucks a year for a device. Um, you know, on the other extreme, the the data center folks, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, no problem, as you scale up into you know, big data center stuff. And then the IoT edge is somewhere in between. So it's it's both technology and uh, you know the the business model that's that's different. So, um, but really, it's open IoT edge orchestration platform um, enable people to run their choice of hardware apps and you know, with their choice of cloud. We're not in the data path. At all, that's that's important. There's a lot of people out there that are trying to do a little bit of everything, but um, when you do everything, you rarely do one thing well. So it's it's really just about how do I help you? Once you get past like party of few POC, and you realize, man, this is difficult to scale. That, that's where we really come in and, and help our, our customers. Is is how do you scale it? Mm. The uh, we had the opportunity, at your invitation, so thank you for that, to participate in your Zadeda, Zadida, excuse Zadida, me, transform. <laughs> you got me now. Zadida <laughs> transform conference you did about a month ago, and uh, and yeah, all of the topics were certainly near and dear to the edge, whether industrial IoT or mobility applications, and so we were quite pleased to be part of it. But it really was an all-star cast of uh, speakers, and uh, and so you're you're making an impact relatively quick in this. Uh, you know. It's been a relatively quiet company up probably up until this point. So thank you for that. <clears throat> so in closing, can you provide recommendations of books and or resources that uh, that inspire you? Yeah, so it's it's interesting. So I I, I get a lot of um, you know my inspiration. I mean, I, I I read a lot of things. I skim a lot of stuff. I kind of form my own opinions. Um, in terms of books. I mean, I, this is an old one, but I, I often uh, reference Innovators Dilemma. I joke often that when I work with different providers, you know, I just I see a lot of people that are struggling, you know, to transform out there. And so I, I joke that there's a, a long list of people that I'm going to send the book Innovators Dilemma as a gift. Um, you know, I think you know, start with why was was a was a good read. Um, uh, I read a you know just again it's a lot of the stuff that I gravitate towards is you know how do you bootstrap you know innovation. Um, uh, last year, um, read a book called The Right It. Um, that one was pretty good, and it's just it, it, he had this concept around uh, predotyping, um, which is I think important. It, it's basically before you even get to a prototype, before you even start building something, is is really see if someone's willing to buy it. And you know, literally, there was all kinds of different ideas around how you can go, um, you know, test, create test markets for something before you even actually built anything. Uh, of course, you've got your Kickstarters and, and of the world, but um, I think there's a lot of people that that come up with an idea and they're so afraid of you know failing that they just keep driving into that idea before they've really tested it out and kind of gotten the honest truth about it. So that's that was an interesting one. You know, I follow a bunch of different you know um, folks out there, and and um, you know, I like. You know, outside of the tech world, I like a, you know, podcasts like Radio Lab and stuff like that, and just kind of various different topics. I think it's important to get out out of your own uh, headspace before you, uh, you know, to to, to to inspire you. Of course, you know, I play music for fun on the side, but um, one one that's stuck with me over the years, and this is completely random. Um, have you ever seen on on YouTube a video called Leadership Lessons from a Shirtless Dancing Guy? 
<laughs> I have not, but I'm going to have to look at it now. <laughs> so it's it's literally like this this guy, you know, it starts with this booming voice, you know, kind of narrative. It's a little little hokey, but still it's a video from a a concert, you know, up on the hill, like on the, uh, the grassy uh, grassy hill at a, uh, some outdoor venue. And it's this whole group of people and someone's filming with their camera phone. I don't know, this is probably, you know, speaking of a decade at the edge, this is probably like 2010, I don't know. And this guy was having the time of his life dancing on his own, just, you know, no shirt, just running around doing cartwheels, you know, just on his own. And it talks about how movements get started. And then it, you know, the booming voice. And then this other guy goes and joins them and they start doing cartwheels and high, high fives and just having so much fun. And it basically says it starts with the lone nut. And then the most important part of a movement is that first follower because that validates the lone nut and now that now they're you know there's there's no longer they're no longer just that crazy person with an idea and then long story short before the end of the you know, by the end of the video everybody there's like hundreds of people on one side were all on the other side dancing away and so it's just you know it's just it's it's totally kind of hokey you know, video or whatever but it it really illustrates how movements get started and you have to a, not be afraid of being the lone nut, and B, it's very important to get that first follower. Excellent. Well, Jason, thank you for this insightful interview. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having me. So this has been Jason Shepard, VP of Ecosystem for Zadida, a longtime edge pioneer, and I'll add in lone nut. <laughs> that would make that would make me probably the first or fast follower. <laughs> I'm proud to be a lone so nut. There you go. So thank you for listening and please join us next week for the next episode of our digital industry leadership podcast series. I, I guess I'll have to subtitle this the Lone Nut series now produced <laughs> by four and about digital industry leaders. Thank uh, you so much, Jason. Thank you. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Leadership Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of prior podcasts, webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening. <laughs>